Hello, 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 and welcome back to another podcast episode. Today, I am going to be talking about what I would do different. I think this concept of hindsight is 2020, you know, looking back on, you know, how I built my business, the things that I invested in, the decisions that I made, you know, the time, the goals, all the things I am going to give you a peek behind my thinking, I guess, or behind the scenes or whatever in general on just what I have learned throughout my journey, building an incredible business, one that I am abundantly proud of, but also just some things that I would do a little differently (laughs) and maybe be a little more intentional in certain areas and forgiving in others. Hey friend, are you looking to start a fun business on the side, but don't know where or how to get started? Are you in direct sales, network marketing, or social retail and looking for tangible ways to scale your business? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Socially Selling Podcast with me, Becky Baxter. I was a teacher by trade turned entrepreneur. I am a mompreneur who has invested time, energy, and resources into growing a multi-million dollar business, all while playing the role of wife, mama, leader, friend, and CEO. I will share tangible tips, hacks, and raw moments that have led to my continued success. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of these real-life messy moments that have created incredible magic and changed the trajectory of my life. Let's get into the episode. All right, so let's jump in. So this has kind of been a fun reflection time for me, and I wrote out about seven different things that I believe are kind of, you know, strategies, um, also, I mean, just in general, things that you're going to want to write down. I mean, this is coming from, you know, someone who <laughs> spent the last, I guess, what, like nine years in the industry. And I was at the top of my company. So for those of you that are, this is your first time listening to me or hearing, you just happen to catch this podcast, or you're not exactly familiar of my journey and story. Um, I built an $8 million organization in direct sales, specifically with Pampered Chef, because it always drives me crazy when people don't tell you what they do. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be cryptic or anything. Um, but yeah, so I was with Pampered Chef for a little over seven years and I got to the top of the company. I was a national executive director. I, my team was doing about 8 million a year. And, you know, when I look back on just my time, you know, my, my goals, all the things I accomplished, I am beyond proud. And I wouldn't say I regret any of it. I mean, I really don't. I'm proud of the business I built. I'm proud of the opportunities that it gave to me and to our family. But 
there are things that I would handle differently. So I wanted to share those with you because I think many of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're someone who says, you know, I see the potential, I see the opportunity, and I want to take advantage of it. I want to, you know, leverage the compensation plan, create this beautiful life and give myself and my family opportunities and more options, you know, financially and you know, but I'm also recognizing, right? You're saying, I don't want to sacrifice what's most important to me. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And some of it are some hard things for me to want to bring up. But I think this is a necessary conversation that a lot of people, they get to the top and they don't want to share these things because at the end of the day, right? Like there's the difference in like, you know, friendships and like actual real relationships and like commissionships, you know, I can't take credit for that phrase. My friend Heather says that, but it's like people who are in a relationship with you because they make money off of your decisions. And so I do think that what I'm about to share is very valuable and I don't think it takes away from your business. I don't think it's going to, you know, any top leader that's listening to this, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, don't send it to your team. Like, that's not what I mean. But I think, you know, there are some things to consider that would make your business more sustainable. And so I just wanted to kind of put a plug for that while going in. Because I was very burnt out, you know, and I was exhausted and I wasn't taking care of myself. I knew I was good at what I did. I know exactly. And I've proven it again, right? With another company, I stepped into Hugh and Grace and I, I proved, you know, to myself, to my audience, like I have an authority. I know what I'm doing, right? It doesn't matter the company. I can build a business. I can make money. You know, the systems are all the same, pretty similar that is across the board. Um, but looking back, there are definitely things I would have done different. All right. So let's jump in. Number one, oh, this is a hard one. You guys, I have had to learn this lesson several times. You would think by now I would still have learned the lesson, but that is, I would have handled my money better. And I'm like, oh, I know some people are like, what? She's going to go there? Yes, I'm going there. <laughs> because when I think about, oh man, when I think about the amount of money I was making versus our actual expenses, right? I mean, the in theory, we should have like another, like we should have a house or a rental property that we're like renting out or Airbnb, like the amount of income that I was making, man, like the investing that we could have done, you know, the planning that we could have done. I wish that I had been more intentional financially. I wish I had handled my spending better. And I wish I had created a second account specifically for taxes. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I think in this industry, uh, you know, and, and this isn't everyone, so please don't take this the wrong way, but so many people paint this picture of, you know, when you get to a certain level in the business or when you have 
you know, a certain title or financially, you know, it's like things that you should be doing with your money or, or kind of not even necessarily that, but just this, this, um, I guess, attitude that we all buy into, right? Because by human nature, we have desires. We have physical things that we might want, like a certain car or a, you know, a, a dream home or, you know, a purse, you know, a certain purse or types of shoes. And everyone kind of has their thing that they're like, man, I really would love to have blank. And you're probably thinking of that exact thing right now, right? Like you're listening to this and you're like, yep, that's me. I would love to have blank. But what I want to challenge your thinking is, is that, you know, whether we like it or not, the business that we're a part of and the industry we're in, it is not actually our company. So we don't have control over if they close their doors. I mean, I could literally go on a rampage of all the direct sales companies that have closed their doors and left millions of people, maybe not millions, that's a little dramatic, but, but close, maybe, who knows? I don't know. But like, but over the course of the time, yeah, probably millions of people without a job. And it's not to say that, you know, it's anything against those companies, right? It could have been any number of reasons why they had to close their doors or pivot or get bought out or whatever. That's not the point. The point is we can't control what happens on the corporate level. And because of that, what ends up happening, um, and even that too, like the fact that you might change your mind, you may come to a point in, in your business where you're like, man, I really want to do this other thing. But what happens is because you get, you raise your spending to what you're making, when that happens, you become a prisoner to your business, meaning you can't pivot. You can't walk away. Or when the doors close, there's this desperation of like, I don't want to lose my home, right? Or, you know, I've got to immediately jump back into another company because and like build it up because I just lost, you know, a six-figure income or whatever it is, right? And so looking back, you know, I was sharing this with Monique um, very, you know, privately, but when I made that, that pivot and that change, there was a lot of like... I was really scared that we were going to lose our home or, you know, I'd have to like sell my car or, you know, whatever, just so we could pay our bills because we had moved into and bought what I call my dream home. And while we gratefully have not had to do that, um, it's still, you know, our business is in the beginning stages, right? Like our, you know, business is still, you know, brand new ground floor. Like we are not making millions of dollars. Now we did surpass six figures, but my point being what so I think many people do not talk about in this space is that you don't need to raise your spending based on your income. You know, I had a couple of months where I was making like 30, $40,000 a month. And while it was an, an incredible blessing to be able to just say, Hey, let's, you know, go to Jamaica and just spend, drop, you know, four or five grand, no big deal. I also didn't always account for things like taxes, you know, and pulling out that 25% or even tw- heck even 10%, right? Cause we have so many write-offs, but just in general, like setting aside money and then really thinking through like the long term, what would I like my life to look like in five years and what, what would, ha- you know, what financially, what would we need to have in place if all of this went away? You know, 
could we live in our home for a year? You know, could we, whatever. And so I just want to encourage you, if you do not feel like you have a good handle on your finances, or maybe even your business is starting to grow and expand and your income is growing, that's fantastic, right? But until you are at a place where you've almost kind of automated that income, meaning that there it's pretty consistent like year after year, you're beyond multi six figures and you are not having to drain yourself. And maybe now you're like, I'm going to start thinking about another source of income, right? Until you're at that place, you shouldn't be, you know, just buying these lavish things, like moving into another house, all of these things. Because while I'm, yes, incredibly grateful for our home and I don't, I wouldn't say I like regret it, right? Like I don't regret it. But it put us in a financial situation that was really hard. And I felt trapped in my business when I was ready to like do other things. I couldn't. I couldn't explore other options because we had, you know, raised our monthly expenses to the income that I was bringing in. And I just want to encourage you like that. If I if you listen to nothing else that I talk about, don't look around at what other people can afford and have and do like. Look at it like your life is going to be so much more peaceful if you have less, but you have more freedom. Like I just 100% believe that. And it doesn't mean you're not financially abundant. It just means that you don't need all of these things in in order to feel valued or feel like you're successful. You know, like I didn't need to buy a Louis Vuitton when I went to Paris. Like I didn't need to do certain things, you know, um, with my income and buy like every single thing I saw, you know, because I could, right. It was like, I could just buy whatever I wanted. And while that's a fun feeling, it's wasteful. Now I look, I look at my closet at things that I'm like, I wore that one time or things that I still have the tag on that I like bought because I thought it was cute for the sake of buying. And for starters, that's not healthy, but also just in general, right? Like it was not, I was not financially educated for the amount of income that I was receiving and that I was like earning. So just (laughs) wanted to put a plug for that. All right. So number two is I would think before investing back into my business. So I think What's been really interesting is for me to every year, you know, you do your taxes and you like reflect back on, you know, what did you invest in and, you know, just trying to find every single write-off. And, you know, I guess, I guess because I'm recording at the time of this recording, it is, you know, tax season, it's the spring. And I think, you know, what I want people to think about is, yes, you need to be investing in your business, like with your time, with your resources, financially. Yes, there is a lot that can come from you investing. But are you investing in the right things, right? Like I always tell people what you need to focus on is what's going to bring in income, you know, branding and, um, you know, Canva training and, um, you know, just, I don't even know. I can't even think like just in general, the things specifically something that I will, I guess, give as an example is, um, you know, I was at a really solid place in my business. And I think because of it being, you know, (laughs) during the pandemic and I was just kind of like bored in a sense, like I wanted to do 
kind of expand my brand, I recognized that I had a desire for more outside of what I was already doing. But what I should have done before just immediately jumping in and investing and trying to do this whole thing is I should have kind of thought through this high level, like what is, what is the objective? What is the goal of this investment? Because then if you don't really have this objective, it's just, you're just paying money for a service or for a coach or for whatever, right? There's no, you got to have an objective for like, why are you investing in this? What do you want to get out of it? And how is it going to bring money back into your business? So you really shouldn't need to be asking those questions before you spend money. And a couple of examples, I bought a course at one point that was, you know, about, um, I mean, I couldn't even, I mean, I literally could not even tell you all of the details of the course, but it was like $2,000. And I don't even think I went through one module. Like that was a hard lesson to learn because later I'm like, look back at it. And I was like, why did I buy this? Like, it wasn't that it wasn't good information. It, I mean, the people were in, and are incredibly successful, but at that time, it was not relevant to number one, bringing in more profit into my current business. And then number two, it really wasn't, I wasn't at a place where that was applicable, applicable to where I tr- was trying to go next. Um, and so I'm not even, it's almost like I fell for like the bait and switch for the, you know, promise of becoming a millionaire and the next shiny thing, right? Like I fell for that because I was craving something, right? Clearly, right? Here I'm recording a podcast in a, like I'm a coach now, you know, I'm a, yes, in the same industry, but I'm in a different field now. Um, And so what's interesting to me is like some of those things that I invested in, I mean, it literally didn't even serve me then and it won't serve me now. Another thing that I invested in was I hired a videographer who is insanely talented, by the way, like so insanely talented. Um, But he was expensive and worth it, of course, you know, based on the work that I got back. But I eventually pivoted, (laughs) right? And so those cooking videos and demos that he helped me do, while I do think a couple of them would have been good. I don't think I needed to do all of them. And so therefore to me, I viewed it as I kind of like, you know, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on these videos and I really didn't need to. I mean, I definitely did not need to do that at all. I was not at a place where I should have done that. Um, nowadays, especially with our phones. And, and I think just even people like that genuine, you know, vibe of like watching someone mess up, you know? Um, so yeah, I just think, you know, think before you invest back into your business. All right. Number three, I would set my own timeline for my goals. So any time in my career that I tried to force a promotion or force a goal, 
And it wasn't necessarily because like the corporate or, you know, whatever. Some of them, yes, they would dangle a carrot and I'm a carrot chaser. You know, I'm super competitive. I am a hard worker. I know what to do. I'm good at what I do. And so anytime they would dangle a carrot for like a trip or a you know, um, get recognized on stage for blank or this get invited to this exclusive training or whatever, right? Like, while I don't, again, I don't regret any of it, but looking back, I would probably have set my own timeline. Meaning, you know, even just, okay, so here's an example. So we were, and I was invited, I was one of the people that were invited to like this very first pilot training program that our company was doing for people who were, you had to be a leader. Um, but it was like, you could only stay in the program if you recruited two people a month. And while I see the, I guess, accountability behind that, I think they kind of missed the boat. Um, and I say this very lovingly, but as a leader, you know that you need to recognize the activity and not the end result. Now, it's fun to celebrate the end result at the end, right? But not throughout the journey. Because what happens is people will work to the level of, the, like they'll work to the standard that is set. So during that time, all right, when I look at my numbers, when I was in that program, I literally did the minimum. Like I did exactly the standard that they set. I recruited two people a month. I had eight to 10 parties. We were supposed to submit eight shows. And it was almost like, I don't want to say my lowest time, but it wasn't the best. It wasn't my best work, right? Because I was just so focused on meeting their requirements, meeting their goals. And because I didn't want to miss out. It's that FOMO. I didn't want to miss out on what they were you know, the, the content they were sharing when in reality, if it was me and I was in charge of that program, I would have set a standard to say, you know, everyone like these people, right? If you are at this rank or this title, you have access to this, you are invited, but you have to make a commitment that these are going to be your actions and focus more on the activity and not the number. Because I guarantee you, well, first of all, just in general, you know, um, I went on to recruit with Pampered Chef. There were months I recruited like 13 people in a month versus the two, right? And then I went on with Hugh and Grace and I recruited 28 in one month and 21 in, in another month, you know? And so it's just to say that like people will work to the standard or to their own, for their own goals, their own desires a lot harder than they will for someone else's. And so when you look at, you know, the compensation plan, when you look at, you know, the goal that you are trying to achieve, while yes, it's fun, you know, with conference coming up, it's fun to get that recognition on stage. And it's fun to, you know, to, to feel like, wow, I get to be a part of this elite group or have access to this training or be recognized for, you know, top earner or top recruiter, or top organizational volume. All that sounds great, but eventually none of that really matters. Like what matters is financial abundance, giving you opportunities, giving you options and creating a life where you feel peace. And 
I just think honestly that, yes, I think that corporate teams, like they need to have these incentives and run these things. But when you become that like leveled up upper level leader, you need to start focusing more on, okay, how can I duplicate what I have done, right? Which is like multiply yourself, which is our entire coaching program, multiply (laughs) 2.0, find and attract and build business, you know, find business builders, attract high level leads and multiply yourself essentially. And that is really what you should be focused on. You should not be trying to get as many warm bodies as you can on your team. You should not be looking for this recognition on stage because here's what's so cool. That is all going to happen. All of those things will happen. But if you are not laser focused on why you're doing it and instead you're like squirrel, (laughs) you're like chasing all the shiny things every time they put dangle something in front of you, you're going to feel like I did. I got to the top and then I was like, well, what do I do now? Right? Like what's my purpose now? Because I was so zoned in on that title and getting to have a say. And then I got there and I was like, man, I don't, I mean, is this really what I want? Right? Versus looking at it from, okay, how can I help, you know, a hundred people have this same opportunity, right? Like how can I, you know, create a financial wealth and abundance and legacy that I'm able to contribute and help pay for college for kids or fund adoptions or start an orphanage, right? Like there's all these incredible things that I could have been more focused on instead of that whole, like what's in it for me, you know, and, and financially spending and, you know, earning and recognition. And I'm not saying that's how I was. I mean, I was so much about like helping others and I saw the big picture, But I also think I got caught up in the timelines and the shiny objects. And I don't want you to do that to yourself. So number four, number four is work the business more intentionally from the beginning. So this is just a pretty short and sweet uh, topic, but I, you know, looked back and I remember I did not recruit the first like six or seven months of my business. And, you know, I did that (laughs) because I was like, no one, no one would want to, you know, do what I'm doing. Right. Like I viewed myself as like, I was desperate to say, stay home. And so to me, I was like, no one, no one would do this, right? Like no one would be desperate like me. No one would, would want to work, you know, have some extra income. No one would want to go into other people's homes and cook for their, you know, those people. Like I almost felt like it was this belief that I had, which was obviously wrong. You know, like I proved my own self wrong, but I didn't want to recruit. And to me, if you're being really intentional about your business, you kind of have to look at it from through the lens of you have two opportunities for income. One is your retail. So like what you sell to customers. Okay. And, you know, I was in the party space and then eventually transitioned to just really the social selling network marketing model. And, you know, with, so with the party space, it's like you're limited, right, to how many parties you can do. And so, you know, in my mind, I was like, 
okay, like I just know I want to make $1,000 a month. So if I do this many parties, that's probably about what I'll make. And do you know, my first full year, I made a thousand. I averaged every single month when you do the math, I averaged $1,003. So I was like, literally, (laughs) again, working, I put a cap on what I thought was possible, what I needed to stay home. And that's what I did. That's all I did. And, you know, looking back, I wish I had started recruiting from the beginning. I wish I had been open to that, you know, to leadership, to, um, you know, this concept of helping other people with the business, offering it to everyone without that guilt or shame, not guilt, but like without shame or like embarrassment, but it'd be proud and say like, Hey, this is a really cool opportunity that like, I don't have to go back to the classroom. You know, I'm able to you know, work when I want, make the amount that I want and you can too. And I think, you know, of course the story goes on, as you guys know, that I eventually realized that and started to share it like a mad woman and, you know, got to the top of the company and I was, a you know, a top in developing leaders and all these things. But I wish I had done that from the beginning. I wish I had been more unapologetic, I guess I should say. All right, number five, which this kind of ties into number four. I wish I was more confident from the start. Um, How many of you guys, if you're listening to this, you are possibly a stay-at-home mom or retired or you are working a full-time job and doing this on the side, doing your business on the side, and more than likely when someone asks you, what do you do for a living? What do you say? I would say, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom and I do, you know, I'm also a Pampered Chef consultant. Or sometimes I wouldn't even tell people. I was just like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Even though I was making a thousand bucks a month and I only had to leave my house, you know, four or five times in order to make that money. And when you kind of look at it from that perspective, you know, take away that it's direct sales, take away the name of the company, take away any of it and just look at the time versus what I was getting paid. I mean, that's a really amazing opportunity, right? And I didn't have the confidence to say, you know, I, you know, have been given this incredible opportunity to stay home and also make an income, you know, and I do that by, you know, whatever, right? Like whatever. But just in general, I wish I was more confident. All right. Number six, I wish something that I, I guess what I, I wouldn't say I wish or like something that I would do different, but something that I think nowadays, right? We all kind of recognize the power of is I wish I had paid more attention to things like Pinterest, um, a blog, and like TikTok, you know, and like SEO, like just technological things that have exploded people's businesses in a variety of ways. You know, I, it's interesting too, because when I was a teacher, I had an educational blog and I was using Pinterest as like a marketing tool uh, to kind of get out there my content that I was creating on my blog. And it all funneled back to usually a resource, a digital resource I had created uh, on a website called Teachers Pay Teachers. And what's funny is I still make money to this day on that website. It's not a ton of money, but it's like a couple hundred bucks every single month. And it's just, that's the power, okay? I, w- I have not been in the classroom 
and created resources in over 10 years, right? Like that is just the power in what these, you know, platforms have to offer Pinterest, like, you know, the lifespan of a post on Pinterest or a pin is like four months. And that's just like the average, you know, it doesn't count the ones that are like viral and been saved millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of times. Okay. But it also just goes to show 10 years later, when I look at the traffic that's been, that's come from like the sales on my teachers pay teachers, a lot of them come from Pinterest. Isn't that crazy? 10 years later. And so while it doesn't seem profitable right now, and those of you that are just starting your business, you might be like, I don't have time to think about this. Or you work a full-time job and you're like, I don't know, like this is ridiculous. But maybe what you do is because blogs are not dead. (laughs) Like blogs are a resource. Blogs are a search engine for what people want to learn from you. Right. And this is something I'm talking to myself. (laughs) I got to get better at this too. Okay. Um, But your blog, in essentially, is your way of sharing long form content. Um, It's a way, kind of like a podcast, uh, you know, or a YouTube channel. It's a way for you to share information and then link it to Pinterest so that it makes it searchable. So, this is actually something I started to explore. Um, when I was still with Pampered Chef, I, I started a blog and I was like all excited about it. And I was going to share recipes and, you know, mompreneur life and just all of these things. Right. And I was planning, right, to link the products to my blog post and then and then share the pin on Pinterest. And so, you know, what I want you to think through is how can I create, you know, if social media was to go away, like what is something or like, let's just say if TikTok and, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook, the big ones kind of all went away, right? Like where is something else, like a project in a sense that I can, as I'm creating content for these platforms anyway, how can I start showing up a little bit at a time in some of these other places? Because that is how you're able to create this long-term growth and authority that, like I said, 10 years later, people are still purchasing based on what you shared. And so, you know, I'm not going to go into, because it's already, you know, it's over 30 minutes on this episode. I could have a whole thing about this on how direct sellers can really leverage this. But basically, it's just a resource for you to share, like, why you use a certain product, right? So it could be like for Pampered Chef, it would be like a recipe. And then I would pin the name of the recipe. So then when people go to Pinterest and they search, you know, um, salmon, grilled salmon or whatever, right? Like hopefully in their search, my picture would pop up. They would click on it, go to my blog, right? And then I'm sharing all the ways, you know, however I make that recipe. And then, oh, by the way, here's these products that you can purchase to help you make the recipe. And so it's not necessarily this marketing tactic where, you're going to get results overnight or even within 30 days. But it is this mindset of I'm playing the long game. And when you look at someone like Loverly Gray, you know, she's a fashion blogger. 
you know, has a bajillion followers on all social platforms. And she tells you, I was working, her story is really cool. She was working full time and she was just sharing like work outfits, work wear outfits for women. And, you know, she was just, she said she did it for like two years before she even like made anything from doing it because she was sharing something that she knew was valuable to her and that other people would ask her about like, Hey, where'd you get that skirt? Or, Oh, I love that outfit or whatever. She saw there was like a gap in the market and how her opinion would give value to others. And so you may be like, Hey, I am, you know, I am someone who is like on a health journey and you suffered from postpartum depression or whatever. And so you share like some strategies and things about your health journey and like food prep with small kids and cooking healthy for you and the family. And how do I get, you know, a routine, a workout routine in with small kids crawling all over me or whatever, right? Like those are things that people want to know about, right? Like, you know, do does fasting work or, you know, I mean, there's like a million things that you could talk about. And so I wish that I had kind of started that content creation process earlier, which again, isn't it hilarious that I was doing that while teaching, but then I didn't transfer that content, that concept to my direct sales business. And I should have. So just something to consider, not a necessity, but Hey, if you start now, even just a little at a time, it can make a huge difference. All right. And finally, number seven, I would have created my own email list and contact list because whether we like it or not, we do not own the contacts and all of the information when it is, you know, someone purchases from you with your company. And so if they are, you know, there's a lot of, I am not an attorney, so I am not going to sit here and tell you the legal aspects to it, but I do think there is something to consider again, kind of going back to the, like, what if the doors close? What if you decide to pivot? What if blah, 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 right? Like what if, and so having a place where people can, you can connect with your audience you know, outside of what the company is offering builds up more of more trust, in my opinion, more of a community, more freedom for you to share, not just, you know, what your company is offering, but if you wanted to run promotions and specials and, you know, have more of your own branding and more of your own. I mean, I just think there is so much opportunity for things like this that people are missing out on. Um, because I think that when your marketing and your messaging is aligned, people are going to buy from you no matter what you're selling period. And so, you know, I know you're, some of you listening to this are probably like, Oh, Becky, I would never, you know, change companies or, Oh, Becky, I would never, you know, do something else or, oh, Becky, I would never blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, oh, my company has this own thing and I don't need it. And even if you don't go anywhere else, I think the opportunities that you have by having your own like landing page with an about you, right. That opens you up to like sponsorships and like brand partnerships and so many things that you don't get access to. And they would never approach, people just wouldn't approach you about if you were only sharing your 
website from the company. They just won't. They just won't. So anyway, enough about that. <laughs> but I hope this was helpful. I am abundantly blessed by this industry. I am so proud of what I have done. And I am just looking right now to help people learn through my, you know, su success and my mistakes. And so if you are looking for a coach or a mentor or a community of people who are like, oh, I want all the things, you know, but like, how can I do it in a sustainable way and in a way that I'm not sacrificing what's most important to me, then click the link in the show notes or send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. And I would absolutely love to connect with you, chat with you a little bit about what our program has to offer and how you might be a good fit for our Multiply 2.0 coaching membership. So either way, I hope this episode was helpful and just know that I'm always cheering you on. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening to my podcast today. One way to spread the word and share what you've learned today with others is just to simply take a screenshot, post it on your social platforms, and don't forget to tag me. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a five-star review on whatever platform that you're listening to this episode on. As always, I appreciate your love, support, and encouragement. I'm cheering you on, friend.